Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include the latest news driving rates, my interview with John Giles, head of consumer direct lending at TD Bank, on insights into what home equity data means for consumers as we approach the end of the year, and what to look forward to in the bond markets this week. Today's podcast is brought to you by Simple Nexus, an Encino company and award-winning developer of mobile-first technology for the modern mortgage lender. Nexus Origination is Simple Nexus's award-winning point-of-sale product that enables borrowers and lenders to manage the homeownership journey from anywhere. The solution includes features that enhance real estate agent referral strategies and offers robust mobile origination functionality. Learn more at simplenexus.com. Do whatever you want to your clock. It doesn't change the feeding time of your pets. <laughs> and this Friday's a holiday. Want to help out your vet clients? That's veteran, not veterinary. There are plenty of good things that businesses and services are offering to veterans. My United States Navy grandpa would have loved them. Does your client have an existing VA insurance policy? You can add value by pointing out that with VA's online instant loan approval service, veterans with certain insurance plans may borrow up to the value of their policy. In our general industry, there's a lot going on out there. Mr. Cooper's laying off 800 employees, and as always, displaced employees can post resumes at LenderNews.com for free, and employers can view them for several months for the low fee of $75. UWM and Rocket released earnings last week with much fanfare, and this week, lenders and borrowers are all either directly or indirectly impacted by election results. The U.S. election this week will steer some attention away from investors locked in on the Federal Reserve. The consensus expectation is that a divided government between the White House and Congress will lead to more political gridlock, yay, and a potential slowdown for some of President Biden's agenda. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome to the show John Giles, head of consumer direct lending at TD Bank, for some insights into what home equity data means for consumers as we approach the end of the year. TD Bank's 2022 Home Equity Trend Watch survey polled 1,800 U.S. homeowners who purchased a home within the last 10 years and acquired a mortgage upon purchasing. The survey, which focused on their home equity preferences, found that homeowners understand equity. 47% of respondents know how much equity they have in their home compared to 32% in 19, but just 48% considered themselves somewhat, very likely, or extremely likely to consider applying for a HELOC or home equity loan. The survey also showed that renovations remain a priority. Despite continued supply chain and labor shortages, 43% of respondents said they plan to use a HELOC or home equity loan for their renovation projects, with kitchens being the most popular renovation at 55%. So John, I wanted to start off by talking about TD Bank's Home Equity Trend Watch survey, which was recently released. Can you explain a little bit of the methodology and the, and the most recent findings from that? Yeah, certainly happen to, happy to discuss that. Uh, but first, Robbie, thank you for having me on. Really enjoy your, your daily insights into the mortgage and the equity markets. I always find them enlightening. Uh, but in terms of our HELOC Trend Watch survey, it's something we've been doing on an annual basis for some time now, and, and a couple of different reasons for it. Uh, first and most importantly is our desire to keep a pulse on what the customers are thinking, what the customers' needs are. And we tend to have some consistent responses, uh, in particular on how people use home equity, as well as their knowledge of home equity. Uh, but we've also seen some interesting trends over time, and, and none of this will surprise your listeners. 
Uh, one that we saw a few years ago was around doing more renovations on their home on outdoor spaces, particularly with the start of COVID. Uh, we saw that. No real, no real surprise, but it was interesting to see it in the data. You know, more recently, we're seeing it around knowledge of the increase in their equity and how they may want to utilize that and what needs they might might solve uh, with that increases in equity we've been experiencing. So it's it's something we've been doing for, for a number of years, as I mentioned, and really it's designed to give us a better understanding of our customers. And what did you learn in this year's survey? Uh, two things. Uh, the first one is I'm going to say consistency. Uh, I've been doing home equity and residential lending for over 20 years now. And in the home equity space in particular, we've consistently heard the number one use is home remodeling, home renovations. Number two used, typically, sometimes it varies, is debt consolidation. And then you have the the large purchase education usually come in in those, those three, four, five type ranges. We saw that same thing this year. So in terms of usage, not a lot of change, a lot of consistency. And you know, as I mentioned a minute ago, no surprise, particularly in that home remodeling space, so many people during COVID and post-COVID are looking at making changes to their homes. Uh, but then on the other side, uh, we continue to find, and this has surprised me a little bit more the last few years, that people are lacking a, a strong understanding of the product. They, they know it is out there. They know there's a way to use a home equity loan or a home equity line. And by the way, they don't typically understand the differences between the products. They know it's out there, but they're hungry for information on the products themselves. What are the risks? What are the costs? What is the time involved to take out this type of account? How do I compare it to personal lending, some of those things? So that's been one of the, one of the biggest, I'll say consistent, but a little bit stronger learnings this year. You mentioned home equity options. What are those options? If you could brief our listeners, that would be great. And then going further, how can borrowers explore these different options? Yeah, good, good question. And, and before I start saying how can they explore the options, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little, bit about, a little bit more about what I said a second ago. Uh, it's interesting to me. So the, the audience listening to this are, are seasoned mortgage professionals. Uh, to everybody on this call, you, you probably feel that a home equity line of credit or a home equity loan is easy to understand. Uh, but we've consistently heard from customers. And, you know, with TD Bank and a retail bank, we consistently hear the feedback through our bank channels and through our bankers as well, that customers don't understand the product yet. And what I mean by that is a line of credit. You know, how does a line of credit work? How much equity can I take out? How do my, how do my payments work? Uh, what exactly does interest only mean? Can I pay more against the line than just interest only? How do draws work? So those types of questions. Uh, the other piece is a loan. You know, many people, and I would say the industry can be guilty of this, speak to home equity as home equity lines of credit, HELOCs, because it's the majority of our production. And you know, there are some lenders even that only offer a HELOC, but then a fixed rate option within that HELOC to take the place of a loan. So my point being here is there's also less visibility or less knowledge around the loan side. So the first part of your question, Robbie, what are the products? You have the line of credit, but then I'll add within the line, you typically have a fixed rate option. And you may even have variability in the types of payments within lines. And then, of course, you have the home equity loan. But then even within the home equity loan, 
you know, you have five-year terms, 10-year terms, you have up, up to 30 years in many cases, variations on how much you can borrow within there, and typically variations on interest rates in particular. So similar to the mortgage side, term is going to make a difference on the home equity product. If my friends listen to this podcast and they're interested in their home equity options, how do they go about assessing what's best for them? Yeah, good, good question. You know, first, you know, we're talking about surveys on this call. I'll, I'll jump to a different survey, not one that we conducted, but you see often 90% of, of uh, people out in the market, whether they're buying a car, buying a shirt, or doing a banking service, go online first and do some research. Uh, so the first thing is go online and do some research. Uh, but within that, don't be satisfied with just what your bank website says, what bankrate.com says. Uh, go into it thinking about what are the specifics that I need to accomplish? How much do I think I need to borrow up front? And how much do I think I need longer term? I say those two different things because that's one of the advantages of a line of credit, not borrowing everything up front, but borrowing it as you need it in order to reduce your interest expense. So first, go into your research thinking about your specific situation. How much do I need? Over what time frame do I need it? What am I comfortable with for a monthly payment? I'm a huge believer that with home equity or any any lending product, really, you don't just look at interest rates or fees. You also look at your own budget. What am I comfortable with? And how do I make sure that the product supports my budget restrictions or my budget capabilities? So first, go online, do some research for yourself, but then do talk to a qualified lender. So once you've narrowed down your questions or, or narrowed down your research, you will probably have some outstanding questions. Call your lender, talk about their specific offerings, talk about their expectations or what you'll need to bring into that application. Uh, most lenders are going to do a valuation fairly simply. We try to do those automated as much as possible, and that's largely the case. Many, however, will ask for a verification of income. So do go into it also thinking about you know, bringing in some verification of income documents. But to get back really to your original question, you know, how do you learn more about it? Do some research online to get a base and in particular your specifics, but then do speak to a qualified lender to make sure you can go a little bit deeper into exactly how it'll work and answer any questions that online research did not solve. It would seem to me that home equity lending has actually benefited in a way from rates rising this year because people are reluctant to refinance, cash out refinance and, and take a whole new rate versus getting a line of credit and not not impacting their underlying mortgage rate. Can you talk about the shifts in demand you've seen in this current environment? Yeah, you describe the environment really well. And, and I describe it as a very healthy uh, home equity demand right now. It is not as high as it was in, in some of the previous years, you know, years of the past, uh, but certainly we're back to the levels of what I call pre-COVID. So a healthy demand, a helpful, healthy appetite for home equity. And, and the reason is exactly what you just described. I mean, if, if you were to talk to some of your friends and neighbors, uh, almost everyone with a mortgage refinanced or purchased in the last few years, and their mortgage starts with a two or a three. Uh, so we have those two and three handles out there. Now, you know, going back to what I mentioned earlier, one of the primary reasons for home equity being home remodeling, uh, it makes a lot of financial sense if you need money for remodeling, for home maintenance, whatever it might be, to leave that first mortgage alone. 
you know, retain it at a 30-year fixed or a 15-year fixed, whatever it might be, at two and a half, three and a quarter, whatever you might have, and then any incremental needs put into a home equity product. So just, just as mortgage rates have gone up, uh, Fed funds rates have gone up the last few months, as everyone knows, with that, the prime rate, prime is now at six and a quarter, but it still makes a lot of financial sense uh, if additional funds are needed to borrow at, let's call it a, a rate within the sixes on home equity and retain that first mortgage at a lower rate. Uh, so we are seeing very healthy demand as consumers still are making large purchases, are still doing home remodeling, absolutely doing home remodeling right now, and are still doing debt consolidation. And, and where last year a cash out refinance made a lot of sense, lock in a long-term low rate, now it makes sense to protect that mortgage rate and use a home equity product. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about today was home equity when it comes to home renovations. Uh, and and it, it is a big use case for home equity lending, but I wanted to talk about it in, in contrast to construction lending. Can you explain some of the differences, maybe some of the benefits in, in going the home equity route when it comes to renovations? Yeah, absolutely. And it is a case-by-case basis. You know, so just a minute ago, I made the comment that it makes a lot of sense as, as opposed to a cash-out refi. Of course, in every situation, there, there is variability. So there's no one-size-fits-all. And construction's the same way. You know, certainly understand your own circumstances uh, for whether one benefits versus the other. So you know, speaking in, in at sort of a high level, you know, with construction loans, that's going to allow you to get long-term, assuming it's a close a construction-to-perm type arrangement, it's going to give you a long-term rate lock uh, where where your home equity, if you use a home equity line of credit, will give you that variable unless you use that fixed rate option or go to a home equity loan itself. Uh, but construction, there, there's some benefit if someone wants that stability, the long-term consistency of payment. Uh, at the same time, as you know, construction loans may have some limitations. You know, how much change are you making to the house? Are you changing the footprint of it? Is it going to be construction loan or is it not going to qualify for construction loan? But in many cases, and where I'll focus on here, is the person, you know, like myself, about 12 years ago, we knocked the back end of our house off, you know, put a two-story addition across the back. Uh, it was not, it was significant change, not significant enough I want to do a construction loan. And in today's environment, I probably want to protect that first, in many cases, protect the existing first mortgage. So home equity uh, is a, a good substitute, I will call it, in many cases for construction, uh, where you do want to retain that first mortgage and you're able to based on the size of your changes. And you can add that second while protecting that first interest rate and get the funds needed uh, for that additional construction. Now, one of the big differences, though, is the majority of time a home equity will not use a future value appraisal where a construction can. So that is a significant difference depending on your circumstance, how much equity you have, how much change in the home you're going to make. That's also going to be a determining factor, one product versus the other. For people looking to go down this path of home, of home equity lending, Where's the best place for them to to start? How do how do people uh, even know know what options are out there for them and and what company they should be going with? First thing I'll mention there I didn't mention earlier is have a sense of your equity. 
you know, people generally have a sense of their creditworthiness, of their income, of how much they can afford. Uh, but make sure you understand the equity in your home. And, you know, we find often it, it's human nature. Many of us want to think there's more there than there is. But certainly in this environment, most homeowners have significant equity. So first, get a sense for how much you think you'll qualify for, as well as how much you think you will need. Uh, now, really, to the specifics of your question, uh, many banks, most banks, I would say, offer home equity products. I would go online, do your research. You know, here at TD, we offer some wonderful products, both in terms of terms, uh, pricing, whatever it might be. Uh, do your research, see which ones fit your needs best, understand the terms that are offered at the bank, understand the interest rates, understand what fees might exist, understand the service levels. And what I mean by that is the ability to have it on your online banking, the ability to transfer money from your HELOC over to your, your checking account, the ease of making payments through online banking. Understand all that. So I would not answer your question as go to one specific lender, uh, but instead do your research, understand the lenders in your area, understanding how that ties to your banking relationship and go for not just the, the rate and payment type view, but also the total service. And I want to close with a little broader question here because you are the head of consumer direct lending at TD Bank. We know it's a tough time out there in the industry right now, and, and consumer direct is obviously not exempt from that. What sort of initiatives are going on over there at TD Bank, or, or where's your focus for uh, keeping that origination business coming through the door? Yeah, we're still excited about the market. Uh, all markets go through cycles, and everyone that's listening to this understood that what we experienced the last two years in terms of a refi market would not continue. Mortgage market ebbs and flows. So, they, so the decline on the refi side, so the decline in total mortgage volume it is not a surprise. Uh, you know, that said, we've had a, a faster uptick of rates than any of us projected, you know, decreasing the refi piece even more than expected. Uh, that, si that said, you know, we're going to have that that shift over time. We're going to see refi come back in the coming years, uh, but we're still excited about the purchase market. Number one, we're excited what's available uh, for mortgage in general. We're very excited in this environment around home equity, what we've spoken about mostly on this call. So, what we're trying to do right now is really be very proactive from a marketing standpoint. And then you mentioned consumer direct, how we're leveraging all of our sales channels. So our stores, what we call our branch bank, our online channel, our phone channel, our loan officer, mortgage loan officer channel, we're trying to make sure all of those are well-versed in our mortgage offerings, are well-versed in our home equity offerings, and we're being very proactive, both digitally through mail and through other devices at reaching out to our different customer base. Uh, what we don't want is for customers to not understand the equity options that are out there, because as I said earlier, uh, we find repeatedly that customers don't understand that as much as you think they might. So we're still very optimistic about the market, understanding you are going to have cycles, you are going to have shifts in volume, you know, based on the, those changes in interest rates and market demand. I mentioned how excited we are about the market. We're also very excited about what we're doing in the affordable mortgage space. We, we have rolled out new offerings, uh, such as our TD Home Access Mortgage, uh, to support our various communities. Uh, so that that piece of what we're offering on the mortgage side is also extremely important. And, and that's one you'll see continued focus on. John, really appreciate you making the time today. Thank you for the insights.
Enjoyed it. Thank you, Robbie. After a bit of a tumultuous news week last week with, with the Fed and the employment data, perhaps this week will be quiet as we look ahead to Friday's Veterans Day. The U.S. election tomorrow will steer some attention away from investors locked in on the Federal Reserve. And the consensus expectation is that a divided government between the White House and Congress will lead to more political gridlock and a potential slowdown for some of President Biden's agenda. Historians note that the stock market has outperformed with a divided government over the returns generated in the years following the same party controlling the Senate, the House, and the presidency. Analysts warn that a scenario that could rattle the market would be any lack of clarity regarding Senate control if results are contested. Meanwhile, the economic calendar will be dominated by the October Consumer Price Index report. Last week saw Fed Chairman Powell doing his best to quell the dovish interpretation of the FOMC's policy statement by saying it was too early to suggest a pivot in monetary policy and that the peak Fed funds rate of this cycle would be higher than previously expected. Following September's meeting, that peak was expected to be around 4.6%. Now, many market participants expect that peak to be in the low to mid fives. Ultimately, the path of inflation over the coming months will impact how aggressively the Fed continues to tighten monetary policy. While there are signs that things are beginning to cool, employment remains tight as evidenced by October's jobs report. While the pace of hiring has slowed since the beginning of the year, 261,000 net new jobs is still significantly better than the average monthly gains of 183,000 since the Great Recession. And commentary from ISM PMIs suggests businesses are growing concerned about economic conditions, which may lead to fewer new hires in the coming months. Currently, the markets are split between a 50 basis points or 75 basis points rate hike in December, with a slight majority leaning towards 50 basis points. This week's highlights include the quarterly refunding tomorrow to Thursday, as well as CPI on Thursday and preliminary November Michigan sentiment on Friday, when the bond market will be closed for Veterans Day. Other data includes consumer credit, wholesale inventories, and the October budget statement. FedSpeak resumes following last week's FOMC events, and Class A 48 hours is on Wednesday with Class B net out on Thursday. Of course, tomorrow's election day, where current odds favor the Republicans retaking control of the House and Senate. The Employment Trends Index kicks off this week's economic calendar later this morning, and the only other data point today is September consumer credit this afternoon. We begin the week with agency MBS prices better by three-eighths to a half, and the 10-year yielding 4.13 after closing last week at 4.25%. Looks like some investors are betting a period of disinflation has already begun, and the midterm election results will be favorable to markets tomorrow. Let's see. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Why'd the sad ghost use an elevator? To lift his spirits. <laughs> Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, Simple Nexus, the homeownership platform that unites the people, systems, and stages of the mortgage process into one seamless end-to-end solution that spans engagement, origination, closing, and business intelligence. To learn more about Simple Nexus and Encino Company, visit simplenexus.com. Questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities? Send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.